0: It is time for David's bookmark with David Tizard. David is an assistant professor at Seoul Women's University and is completing the research of his PhD in Korean Studies at Hanyang University. Hi, David.
1: Good morning, Jamie, and good morning to everybody listening.
0: So you have big news today
1: big news. I always have big news but today especially mm-hmm. um, I have been helping one of our guests, one of our friends with something.
0: Mm-hmm. So you are, when you say friends, mm-hmm. you're listening to Sang, well not you're listening to, you're mentioning Sang Park, who was actually on our show today in the first hour. You just missed him.
1: Yeah, actually mm-hmm. I caught him out there.
0: Oh you did? Yeah, okay. I did indeed, <laughs>
1: yes. We run in the same circles. Mm-hmm. Um, Sang texted me during the week asking for help with a driving test. Mm-hmm. So I gave him all the advice all the tips uh i passed mine in korea a few years back so Uh i was able to bestow upon him
0: Uh your wisdom
1: my wisdom my tips and the necessary confidence to to pass Mm
0: -hmm. and he did and he did yes
1: i feel like a a mentor seeing his student go through things so sang congratulations well done
0: yes well done he can scoot around seoul now
1: he can Mm. and anybody out there driving be careful because sang is coming
0: So this week's book is Chess by Stephen Zweig. Is that how you say his last name, Zweig?
1: That's correct, but his first name is Stefan.
0: Stefan. Stefan okay. Zweig. Stefan Zweig. An
1: Austrian man of Jewish descent, and yes, this mm-hmm. is the book Chess, otherwise sometimes known as the Royal Game. It's mm-hmm. a fabulous book.
0: Mm-hmm. So can you tell us more about this book?
1: To tell you about the book, well, do you remember recently there was that contest between Isedol and, mm-hmm. uh, and the computer that he was playing against, mm-hmm. how that filled a lot of our media. It sort of brought the game of Go from the parks and the s- smartphones that we have into the public consciousness mm-hmm. and everyone was talking about it.
0: Right, right, okay. right. So I,
1: I found that really interesting that people suddenly became fascinated by this contest between a human and a computer game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was testing their ability to think rationally, logically, and so
0: and testing humans to uh, to play with this supercomputer.
1: Yeah, and to mm-hmm. see. And you remember what the result was?
0: He lost.
1: He did lose. Yeah.
0: Were there three games?
1: I think testing my ne- memory. I think there were okay. five, and the final score was four-one.
0: Okay. So well, th- he, he did win one, and I remember this like huge media coverage yep. saying a human won. Yes. Human finally won.
1: Beat a computer. Uh-huh. Right, right. So yes. this, this book does remind me uh, very much of that, except there are no computers. It's just a battle. It's a competition. Two mm-hmm. people sat at a board, and they have these squares in front of them. Uh And upon these squares, they play a game that tests their ability to do certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever played much chess, checkers, go?
0: I actually am not such a big fan of any of these board games or or, (laughs) board games in general. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm just a super nerd. I just like to read. But um, I actually played chess at my senior prom.
1: Wow, that's not what people normally do at senior... Pr- I'm English, we don't have senior prom. I wasn't
0: really big into dancing. Okay, so, so you played yeah. chess? hmm I played chess.
1: That's fantastic.
0: <laughs> I, I, I did not get to go to prom with the people that I wanted to go to prom with. Okay. and And so um, this, this perfect gentleman who took me to prom mm. decided to play chess with me and let me win because it was his first time playing chess. Did you beat him? Yeah, I did. He yeah. let me win.
1: Oh, okay, he let you win. There you go. Mm. What a gentleman. Yeah. This book, Chess, by Stefan Zweig is also full of lots of gentlemen.
0: Mm-hmm. Then when you were saying Stefan Zweig earlier, yep. I thought that his name sounded a little familiar. Isn't yeah. he the same guy who inspired The Grand Budapest by Wes Anderson?
1: I believe so, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. We have a clip of the director, Wes Anderson, talking about his love of Stefan Zweig. So let's listen to it and come back to our discussion.
1: He paints a portrait of of Vienna and uh, of of Europe uh, before 1914 that is so vivid and um, and is filled with details with its personal and you know it's his feeling about this 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 moment and the and the destruction of a uh, of a of a culture that was that they, that he was had completely handed himself over to it was his whole life was you know was was this world of art uh in in vienna at that time and um anyway just it, it this this all kind of mixed together and became a a kind of backdrop for this story and an approach to this to this story even though our, our movie isn't an adaptation of any Zweig story but that's why also it's not an adaptation it's inspired yeah it's more like me trying to do a Zweig-esque thing yeah Yeah. yeah. (laughs) yes it does sort of change gears
0: I love the the description where he says um he's trying to do a Zweig-esque thing and Mm -hmm. and he says what Zweig did really well was depict the destruction of a culture Is, is that something that you see in this book as well
1: in his life in general, Zweig was a huge believer in pacifism, humanism and sort of a pan-European culture. Mm. He wanted this travel between borders and so with the rise of Hitler in the mid-30s, he had to leave Austria, he had mm-hmm. to leave his homeland, go to first England, then America and then finally to Brazil. So he ran away when he saw these changes coming. So, and that destruction of the culture mm-hmm. and the countries affected him greatly.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about chess. The main yeah. action in this book takes place aboard a cruise ship and there's mm. people playing chess on a cruise ship. It sounds like recipe for so much motion sickness.
1: Yes, it's, it's a great place to set. A book, I think. I really enjoyed the setting. And having this book set upon a cruise ship at sea means that there is not only a sense of claustrophobia... There's also this feeling of inevitability about what will unfold. Is Mm -hmm. this the game itself? It has to happen. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, what else do you do aboard a cruise ship? So I really enjoy that sense of claustrophobia and the inevitability that this game of chess must happen.
0: Mm -hmm. So I'm picturing, since you said cruise ship, I'm picturing chandeliers, string Mm -hmm. quartets. This is probably the Titanic influence, but like two men in tuxedos playing with antique chess pieces. Is that... um, something that you see in this book like what is the symbolism of chess on a cruise ship
1: well Zweig himself was from a very wealthy jewish family Mm -hmm. and they were textile manufacturers so if you see these silk suits and things like that that's great um but this symbolism placing it aboard i I think depicts the upper classes that were fighting around europe at the time and that's why they would have had such a setting Mm -hmm. so you're right yeah to, to depict it like that is brilliant
0: Mm-hmm. So the book was written during a time of competing ideologies, social changes, and military conflict. Let's, let's talk about that.
1: Well, if we talk about the symbolism... And one of my big things on this David's Bookmark show <laughs> is is to not give everything away. Okay. I, I want to kind of set it up and uh, allow readers to find their own symbolism when they read because if I tell you what it is, then mm-hmm. it's not real symbolism. That's just a lesson in in something. But there's loads to it. And okay. perhaps if I if I read a little part, we might get an, an understanding of what it is.
0: Mm-hmm. So give us the first excerpt and we'll get a sense of what it is.
1: Okay, so the first excerpt is where the protagonist, Dr. B., encounters or at least tries to encounter the grand champion that is walking the decks of the ship. During the first few days of our voyage it proved completely impossible to get close to Stenovic without being actually importunate which is not my way. He did sometimes walk on the promenade deck but always with his hands clasped behind his back in that attitude of proud self-absorption adopted by Napoleon in his famous portrait. In addition, he always made his rounds of the deck so rapidly and jerkedly that you would have had to pursue him at a trot if you were to speak to him, and he never showed his face in the saloons, the bar or the smoking room. As the steward told me in confidence, he spent most of the day in his cabin practising or going back over games of chess on a large board. After three days, I began to feel positively irked by the fact that his doggedly defensive technique was working better than my will to approach him. I had never before in my life had a chance to become personally acquainted with a chess grandmaster, And, the more I tried to picture such a man's nature, the less I could imagine a form of cerebral activity revolving exclusively, for a whole lifetime, around a space consisting of sixty-four black and white squares. From my own experience, I knew the mysterious attraction of the royal game, the only game ever devised by mankind that rises magnificently above the tyranny of chance, awarding the palm of victory solely to the mind, or rather to a certain kind of mental gift— And are we not guilty of offensive disparagement in calling chess a game? Is it not also a science and an art, hovering between those categories as Muhammad's coffin hovered between heaven and earth, a unique link between pairs of opposites, ancient yet eternally new, mechanical in structure yet made effective only by the imagination, limited to a geometrically fixed space yet with unlimited combinations, constantly developing yet sterile thought that leads nowhere mathematics calculating nothing art without works of art architecture without substance but nonetheless shown to be more durable in its entity and existence than all books and works of art the only game that belongs to all nations and all eras although no one knows what god brought it down to earth to vanquish boredom sharpen the senses and stretch the mind where does it begin and where does it end
0: it appears as though the the narrator is, is connecting chess to the entire universe
1: yeah yeah as as if the whole game can be played on this combination of 64 squares so the whole thing is a metaphor and symbolic and how you perceive it that's why i don't want to say too much about it Mm -hmm. in the sense that plato wrote the republic and the whole 400 pages was a a metaphor for the soul or something like that yeah chess serves a much bigger purpose for zweig Mm
0: -hmm. just
1: to tell you something about that excerpt as i was reading it most of that was one sentence.
0: Oh wow! It's, yeah, it's so just he semicol- says the whole thing in one
1: breath. Yeah, semicolons uh-huh. and dashes, and which is very interesting to me because you would expect a perhaps more laborious slow contemplated approach to the literature or to the prose Mm -hmm. and yet this is flying off the page at you Mm -hmm. and it was hard for me to keep up with it as i read it this morning actually
0: right i mean it has to be compact i feel like because he's packing a lot of drama into what 80 pages yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah definitely so let's take a song break while we consider the complexities of what we have heard thus far david
1: Yes, let's have a very apt and appropriate song for this morning, a wonderful 1972. A wonderful 1972 track by the band Yes. It talks about the game of chess and is appropriately called Your Move. I've seen all good people turn their heads each day, so satisfied I'm on my way.
0: By Stefan Zweig definitely packs a punch as a psychological drama considering the length, wouldn't mm-hmm. you say?
1: Incredibly so. And that in a sense is reflecting Zweig's own personal problems and the experiences that he was having, yes. And I just like to, as yes, in that song there, we're talking about time, and we we very briefly touched on it. Um, the size of this book is really important mm-hmm. because often this can be intimidating to people, or people might suggest that they don't have the time to read. What the books. size of the book? The size of the book. Okay, here it is in my hand. Of course, mm-hmm. people listening can't see it. It's mm-hmm. tiny. Mm-hmm. It looks like a coaster yeah mm,
0: two coasters joined two together coasters, two okay. coasters
1: joined together <laughs> and uh seventy seventy nine pages mm-hmm. so it this, looks like
0: a booklet
1: a booklet that's quite yes. cute actually, like a pig a piglet you. yeah yes, it's like a, a piglet bu- <laughs> yeah, a booklet I've learnt a new word um this is small, so you could devour this in a single sitting
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: think that's really important that that
0: you devoured it in a
1: single sitting yes okay, just engulf yourself or mm. just immerse yourself in it and, and read this book because it's so accessible but so profound
0: mm hmm So tell us about the uh, profundity of this
1: book. There's a lot I'm not telling you
0: hmm Okay, so you're not going to tell me about the profundity of this book.
1: Exactly. There's there's, <laughs> okay. there's a lot of subplots and a lot of different place changes apart from the boat itself. Okay. And uh, I want to leave those alone and, and mm-hmm. just stay on the boat.
0: Okay. Can um, you tell us a little bit about the game itself then? Y-
1: I can. Can I do it in Zweig's words? Can I read a little description of a game?
0: Yes, that sounds lovely.
1: Yeah? So this is when they've approached the Grandmaster and they've decided they're going to challenge him to a game as a group. Mm-hmm. He hasn't met the other grandmaster yet.
0: Okay.
1: Very briefly here. Next days, all the members of our small group had turned up at the appointed hour. The place in the centre of the table opposite the champion was, of course, taken by McConnor, who relieved his nervousness by lighting cigar after large cigar and glancing at the time again and again. But the world champion, as I had already thought likely from what my friend said about him, kept us waiting a good ten minutes, thus heightening the effect when he appeared. He walked over to the table with calm composure. Without introducing himself, a discourtesy which seemed to say, you know who I am and I don't care who you are, he began making the practical arrangements with dry professionalism. Since there were not enough chessboards available on the ship for a simultaneous match, he suggested that we all of us play him together. After every move, he would go to another table at the far end of the room to avoid disturbing our deliberations. As soon as we had made our move, and since unfortunately there was no little bell available on the table, we were to tap a glass with a spoon, He suggested ten minutes is the maximum time for deciding on a move unless we preferred some other arrangement. Of course, we all agreed to his suggestions like shy schoolboys. The draw for colours gave Sitenovich black. He made his first move still standing there and immediately moved away to wait in the place he had chosen, where he leaned casually back-leafing through an illustrated magazine. There's not much point in describing the game. Of course it ended as it was bound to end in our total defeat as early as the 24th move.
0: So he is going from table to table while the people who are sitting at the table have 10 minutes to deliberate.
1: Yep. And and these are all upper class uh, professionals, clever men and uh, doctors, and they deliberate and they discuss and they... The game is not even worth mentioning because this grandmaster simply destroys them. He mm-hmm. has no personality, he has very little charisma or social skills, and yet he can play this game to such an extent that other people simply cannot even compete.
0: I think lack of social skills is probably like one of the hallmarks of chess grandmasters.
1: you think of the stories of Bobby <laughs> Fischer and, and everything that's happened. Yeah,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm, definitely.
1: But he will find someone in this book that challenges him. Mm-hmm. And that's the main plot of chess.
0: Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, plot turns and important characters that you will leave for the reader to discover that you're not going to tell us about. But do you have anything to add before we go?
1: I would strongly encourage you to find Stefan Zweig. He was one of the most celebrated and popular authors of the 1920s and 30s and sadly he seems to have become a little bit forgotten in these Mm -hmm. days. So um, when you have the time or inclination, go and find chess or otherwise known as the royal game, spend a couple of hours and immerse yourself in this wonderful competition
0: mm-hmm. and it's not a long book it's only 80 pages so yeah. you can definitely finish it in one sitting that's what you do mm-hmm. Absolutely. so let's close the show with a very appropriate song by Scott Walker called The Seventh Seal tell us about the song David
1: well in this 1969 track Scott Walker retells Ingmar Bergman's 1957 masterpiece about a man who plays chess with death
0: oh my goodness classic
1: yeah classic. It? this is a song about that
0: does he get to live if he wins? Ooh. Listen. <laughs> well, thank you, David, and we will see you again next week.
1: Thank you very much.
0: That brings us to the end of our show this week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here at 10 next week for another brand-new installation of the bookend.
1: Anybody seen a night pass this way? I saw him playing
0: chess with death yesterday.